What is up, guys? Hope you guys had a great Easter weekend, man. But we had some really big news that was broke by Stephen Gaither from HBCU Game Day regarding Howard and their plans to potentially leave the MEAC for the CAA. And it was reported that late Saturday night, Gaither sources out of Howard was suggesting that the program has everything ready and is prepared to leave the MEAC to join the CAA starting in this proposed move in the 2023-2024 season. And the CAA has been extremely aggressive, and Howard's move would actually be the third HBCU program in the last four months to join the conference. This follows North Carolina A&T, which has a long history with Howard, as both of these programs were founding members of the MEAC, Back in 1970, while Hampton is also going to be part of the CAA, and Howard and Hampton were both founding members going all the way back to the CIAA in 1912. And when you're looking at Howard, what what does this what does this addition mean for the CAA? When you're looking at Howard, it's going to be the 15th member of the conference if the move is finalized and it's going to be the fifth new member over the past year joining North Carolina A&T, Hampton, Monmouth and Stony Brook who is one of the newest members already in the CAA. But when you're looking at the conference breakdown, you still have Villanova, Elon, Rhode Island, Maine, Richmond, William and Mary, Stony Brook of course, Delaware, Townsend, New Hampshire, U of Albany, North Carolina A&T, Monmouth, Hampton, and Howard are going to make up the CAA if there are no more moves made before the 2023-2024 season. It's going to be a 15-team conference with all the following teams that I named. And when you're looking at the CAA, why they've been so aggressive, what their, what their overall plan is coming from an outsider's perspective, they've been arguably – the most aggressive conference in the FCS throughout this playoff expansion. And I really do think that this was expedited due to the departure of James Madison unexpectedly to the FBS. And especially due to the fact that James Madison even left a year earlier than they expected. There was a, there was a big loss in terms of brand, in terms of TV, in terms of, I guess, TV market shares, all kind of things that really left the CAA wondering how they were going to replace James Madison. And there wasn't a brand that they could target. There wasn't a team that they can bring in that would immediately be able to replace what James Madison was bringing to the conference. But what they did was is they went out and added a lot of solid brands, solid TV markets, looking at Howard in particular with the D.C. area. And a lot of good programs such as Monmouth that have had success in other conferences that could arguably bring a higher level of athletic success to the conference. And even with Howard's women's women's basketball team who made the NCAA tournament this year before running into Don Staley's Monsters team over there in South Carolina, the CAA understood that they could not be left and be left and sit idly while all these other conferences were making moves. And this is consistently why the CAA is one of the top conferences in the FCS is because the leadership of this conference is consistently looking to improve the conference and isn't just going to stand by and let the rest of the FCS leave them in the dust. And so I think it was a great move from the CAA in, in part to 
contact Howard to, to recruit Howard with the brand, with some of the other athletic success, you know, outside of football. And hopefully this football team and the, and the management of Howard will invest in the program to be successful at the CAA level. But when you're looking at just the overall scope of the move, they're following two of their, two of their biggest rivals that have been in conferences with them previously. And with the CAA being such a high profile conference in FCS, I would imagine that Howard feels real comfortable with the move. It's not a move like A&T moving to the Big South where the, the bottom's going to fall out. The CAA is here to stay, has a lot of successful programs, has been successful across many sports. And so I think Howard's in a really good spot to succeed as long as the administration invests in the program appropriately. But the question that I know a lot of people have is what happens to the MEAC? if Howard's departure goes through, which it looks like it's a matter of not if, but rather when Howard's going to make this move. And Howard's going to mark the sixth departure from the MEAC since the 2017 season. FAMU, Bethune-Cookman heading to the SWAC, North Carolina A&T and Hampton also leaving. And then Savannah State was a team that was in the MEAC that ended up not really being able to be financially stable or successful and having to drop back down to the D2 level. So that's a lot of departures for the MEAC to replace. And right now, sitting how it is going into the 2022 season or in 2023 season, the MEAC's only going to have five full members starting in the 2023 season for football with South Carolina State, North Carolina Central, Delaware State, Norfolk State, and Morgan State. That's all that is left in the MEAC. Now, the expansion for the MEAC, what, 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 what does that look like? It really looks unlikely for me. And it's due to the fact that, one, the HBCUs at the D2 level based on all the information that I've got from people who know these programs a little bit more than me on the financial side, they do not look like they're prepared or have the proper financial backing in place to make that jump to the FCS level, nor do they have the on-field product to make that jump to the FCS level. And I think combined with the failure of Savannah State that's very recent at the FCS level, I would assume a lot of those D programs are weary to make that jump, given the instability of the MEAC. If you're going to make that jump, I want to make sure I have a stable, solid platform to land on. And I don't think the MEAC can possibly offer that right now to the D2 teams that are looking to to potentially move up to replace some of the losses that they've had. So now that question shifts to should the MEAC look to add a possibly a PWI program from the big South, the OVC, the Southland, or should these teams in the MEAC look to find a home elsewhere? And for me, looking looking at the landscape you know i told i told a lot of people on my show you can go back to the live stream when north carolina ant made the announcement i was saying that the caa that the caa is going to recruit more teams and here comes howard and hampton along with north carolina ant sitting at 15 teams is a real awkward position for the CAA to be in. Their ultimate goal is to create a North and South division, which they've been extremely vocal about, and they really need one more team to fill out that Southern division. So when I'm looking at the teams possible, I think South Carolina State, possibly Delaware State, but definitely Norfolk State look like real likely options for the CAA to recruit for that 16th team. And then also 
You had the Big South looking for looking to possibly poach some teams to try to find some stability after they suffered massive losses, after they just added Bryant to replace some of the teams that they lost. And what about the OVC potentially looking to bring in more HBCU programs to pair with Tennessee State, especially after the Tigers' flirtation with the SWAC and Eddie George speaking out about the OVC is really not doing doing it for us right now and that we will look for a better option if the OVC doesn't start living up to his potential. So there's a lot of question marks around this. And then, of course, there's been a lot of strong narratives on Twitter and other places that the SWAC should look to grab the rest of the MEAC teams, potentially go up and grab Tennessee State, and form an HBCU Super Conference. Well, for me, like, let's go by these one by one. First, I think the CAA is definitely going to add a 16th team. And so the rest of the teams are probably going to have to find a home because if one or more of the rest of the five MEAC teams leave, it's over. Like, I mean, right now it's on life support. If another team leaves, it, it the MEAC is, might as well just be left for dead. There's no way you could save it if another team ends up leaving for the CAA or another conference. So, when you're looking at options, I don't love the idea of moving to the Big South. If you're a MEAC team, you're looking for stability. The the Big South doesn't really doesn't necessarily offer you that in the long run, even though geographically you geographically you could probably fit in that conference. But for me, I don't think the Big South is really where you want to go. Now, the OVC being paired with Tennessee State. That, that's probably a better option compared to the Big South, but I still don't love it as an overall option. The A-Sun is also there. with a, It's a younger conference just at a Kennesaw State, looking a lot stronger as a conference. That is another potential option. But for me, out of those three, I would say the OVC and A-Sun are a lot of, of a much better option than the Big South. I really don't love the idea of moving into the Big South, especially after they really haven't offered any sort of direction to replace the massive losses that they've had as well. So you're really just going from one, one struggling conference to potentially another struggling conference. And that that's not what you want to do here. Now for the SWAC super conference, I'll, the idea makes sense in terms of culturally, in terms of just rivalry fit and, and things like that. But for me, it offers a lot more problems for the SWAC than I think a lot of people are considering because right now, let's just say you add the five teams you have a 17-team super conference. And when you look at the struggles that the SWAC's already having in terms of scheduling, where they're having to make classics for Southern Jackson State because they're rotating off each other's schedule, when they're, they're going to have to make sure Southern and Grambling are in the same division, they're going to have to make sure all these classics stay connected. At, at this point, you can't even really separate FAMU Jackson State. You can't separate Jackson State Alcorn. So what happens when they rotate off each other's schedule? And and then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Jackson State's playing Grambling as an out-of-conference game this year. And so when you have all these factors that you have to account for in scheduling, I think adding five teams from the MEAC where you can have a 17-team conference, what's the minimum conference for Requirement going to be? Are you going to move to a nine-game conference schedule, and then you still have classic games you have to account for? So, how do you work in out of conference games? So, for me, if we're if if you're going to go to an HBCU super conference with seventeen, or if you pull Tennessee State in for eighteen teams, it's pretty much just a full isolationist 
agenda at that point. I mean, you either got to go to the pod system and you're going to have to give up some of the classics, some of some of the great robberies that are in the swag, or you're just going to have to get rid of out of conference games as a whole. And I guess you could stick divisionally and then have like a small four team playoff or make the celebration bowl, the swag championship. But there's a lot of things that if that happens, Dr. Charles McClellan, the commissioner of the swag is going to have to work that out. It's not going to be as just simple plug and play as a lot of people are making it seem. There are a lot of different considerations that you're going to have to look at. If, a, if, if, if the swag is going to become the HBCU super conference. And then also, I don't know, uh, judging off the other programs, is that something that they want to do where they jump in and they don't want to have a chance to play any out-of-conference games? So there's a lot of, I guess, they got to check the temperature for a lot of people on that move. But I do think that for a lot of people watching the MEAG die, they would like them to come to the SWAC and keep and, and just keep it together because they don't want to see the MEAC fail. And I understand that. But for me, I think there's a lot more logistical issues that people aren't looking at. And it sounds good in theory, but until you can tell me how you're going to handle all the classics and robberies and out of conference games and scheduling and divisions, are you going to go to a pod system until those questions are answered definitively? I think really and truly making HPC super conference is probably a pipe dream at this point. But the other question too and I asked this on Twitter and I got a lot of different responses is what, what happens to the celebration bowl? If the MEAC disbands, dissolves, whatever you want to say. And that could, be, that's a major question surrounding the future of the celebration bowl. And the question becomes who does the SWAC target to replace the MEAC champion? Now, there were some reports that there is a contingency plan in place in the contract. I don't know if it's public knowledge. I don't know how, factual it is it makes a logical sense to me but supposedly that there's a committee that that will then select the highest ranked or the highest finishing hbcu team not qualified for the fcs playoffs to play the swag champion in atlanta if this occurs now in, in theory that 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 seems to work now an, an example of this would be if Tennessee State and the OVC go seven and four and they're the next highest ranked HBCU, they don't get selected for the playoffs. They move on to go to Atlanta to play whoever wins the SWAC that year. And I think that's a solid plan. I think if you're looking to keep the celebration ball with the money, with the with with the payouts, with the TV deal with with everything that the Celebration Bowl offers the SWAC and the MEAC, this is probably your best case scenario. And that extends, I mean, North Carolina A&T, South Carolina State, Norfolk State, Tennessee State, the list goes on and on. No matter what conference they end up in, they're always going to have the Celebration Bowl if they're the next highest rated HBCU to fall back on. So I think that's an interesting contingency plan, but I don't know if that's going to be the way it ends up playing out in actuality. And the other idea, just because I'm the FCS guy, is I wonder if potentially the SWAT could reach out to the Ivy League if all else fails and say, listen, neither of us play in the postseason. There's a lot of money on the line for this. There's a lot of attention on this. We got a big TV deal, Ivy League champ versus SWAT champ. And let's, and let's, just, let's just plug it as that then. And I know that will change the basis of what the Celebration Bowl is, but that's better than ultimately losing the TV contract and losing the payout, which means so much to these SWAC teams that make the event and the conference as a whole. So a lot of fans have also clamored for a game in NYC, so have a ro have a rotating Celebration Bowl between New York City and between Atlanta year in and year out. 
have Ivy League champ face the SWAC champ. I think ultimately that's better than nothing, but I understand that 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 would change the whole basis of what that game is and the meaning behind that game. But you got to kind of think outside the box when things are moving as fast as they are with conference realignment. And I don't think conference realignment is done, man. I think the Southland is still going to be active trying to replace some of the losses like incarnate word that they have. I think the OVC is still not done. I think the OVC is going to really look to post some teams. I think the WAC is probably sitting still right now just because they're a newer conference, but I think the OVC, ASUN, Big South and Southland are all still going to have moving chess pieces moving forward. The MVFC is probably done after their addition of Murray State. The SWAC potentially could add one or two more teams to uh, get, get it up to 14. We see the CAA making it work with potentially 15 or 16. I think the SWAC can bring in two more teams, but to take all five, possibly six, if they grab Tennessee State, I think is a little bit of a reach and a lot of logistical issues that are going to be I guess, outside the framework of what we're used to in college football. But right now, man, the MEAC is going to have to move. If there's any chance of them surviving, they're going to have to make a decision real quick here, especially as, so as soon as Howard announces when this goes through, the MEAC is going to have to be proactive in trying to save itself and keep itself afloat moving forward into the future of FCS football. But, man, I really want your guys' feedback here, so make sure to comment your opinions below. One, what do you think of the move for Howard to the CAA? Two, what does the MEAC do? And then three, what is the future of the Celebration Bowl? And what would you like to see that future be like if the MEAC does not survive FCS Conference realignment? Man, there's a lot of moving pieces with realignment with college football as a whole. So I really want to get y'all thoughts. I'm going to be doing a live stream later this week, call-in show. That way you guys can get in all your opinions. So stay tuned for that, man. So make sure to like the video. Make sure to share it. Make sure to comment all your thoughts below, man. I'm really interested to see what you guys think of the ever-changing world of the FCS landscape, man. But for myself, the Blue Bloods, man, we are out for right now.